Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Here you go. Here you go. Default. The nothing personal word of the day. Tuesday, September 8th, is default. Not like I defaulted on my mortgage, I defaulted on my credit card payments. I'm talking about a default as in you're out, as in Novak Djokovic. Let's catch up on a few stories that happened this weekend. One of my faves was Djokovic is out of the US Open. Let me put this in perspective. The US Open is a tennis tournament. It's a grand slam, it's a major. The man who's won the most Grand Slams in history, his name is Roger Federer. He's got 20. Two. Number two in history, this is off the top of my head, Coca. It's a Tuesday. I'm already one minute in the show, and I'm off what we talked about. Number two is Rafael Nadal, who I think has 20. And number three is Novak Djokovic with 17. We have lived through and are living through one of the absolute greatest. Really, it's, it's Federer with 20. I got it wrong. Nadal with 19 and Djokovic with 17. Okay, 20, 19, 17. So three back. We are living through the greatest time in men's tennis. It's unbelievable what we've seen. You know, the days of McEnroe and Connors and Agassi and Sampras and Rod Laver before that. Arthur Ashe. The dominance that we've seen with Federer, Nadal, and the Joker is not to be believed. It's, I don't think we'll ever see it again with three players that dominant for this long. So this year, Nadal wouldn't come to New York and play the U.S. Open, which is played in New York. There's no fans. Nadal was not comfortable traveling because of COVID. Federer had some surgery and was not ready to go. Djokovic was the absolute favorite to win his 18th Grand Slam and edge closer. And don't get me wrong, he's obsessed, who wouldn't be, with being the top money earner, the most Grand Slams, the most tournaments. This guy can play tennis. But he's gotten a bit of a bad rap. People don't like him. They tend to boo him. They love Federer. They love Nadal. And Djokovic just has never been a crowd favorite, which was not an issue because no fans this year. He got into some issues during the whole COVID pandemic break that tennis took when he had a party and then either he caught COVID or he had people at the party who got COVID, but he was being CI, COVID irresponsible. Then he talked about a bunch of other things that got him some negative attention, but he doesn't care. So he comes to the US Open and he is rolling. He is getting deep into the tournament 
he takes a ball in the middle of a match. I think it was the third round match this weekend. And if you've ever watched tennis or ever played tennis, haven't you ever acted cool when you, after a, an ace and you win a game, you take the ball, you bounce it, and you hit the ball back across the net to your, the guy you're playing, or you see players hit the ball blind back to the ball boy, or when all these players take three balls before they serve and they juggle the three balls and they juggle and decide it's way better to juggle two balls who wouldn't decide that. And then they take the third ball and they use the racket and they hit it back to the ball boy. We've seen this a million times. So the Joker decides that he's not playing well, takes a ball and he whips it off the bounce or not off the bounce. I don't remember if it bounced off his racket or if he did it off the fly. And it hit the lineswoman who was next to the ball boy, like two feet away from the ball boy. And it hit her literally like a movie when you do the karate chop in the throat and the person goes down and they don't use special effects. It's like one of these kung fu moves Bruce Lee doesn't go, hiya, and right in the throat down. So this woman goes down. Djokovic realizes what he does, what happened, walks to her pretty quickly. The medical people come out. It's a whole hubbub of activity. So picture this. Djokovic is sitting over her. The medical people are out, some with masks, some without masks. No fans, no booing. It's total insanity. The next thing we hear is that Djokovic has been kicked out of the US Open. They put him in default, not of the point, not of the game, not of the set, of the match, as in out of the tournament. His opportunity to build on his 27-0 record this year, gone. His opportunity to get his 18th Grand Slam, gone. And people, because it was Djokovic and they don't like him to start with, lost their minds on social media. Well, I watched the video and I absolutely believe there was zero intent. So I knew that this was a topic we had to cover because you know on Nothing Personal, we're obsessed with consequentialism because that's what I am, a consequentialist. I don't really care about intent, but it was noteworthy that I didn't think Djokovic had intent. The rule is very clear in the United States Tennis Association that if you intentionally hit a ball dangerously or recklessly within the court with negligent disregard of consequences, the referee will default you. The USCA released a statement, the umpire, the referee they call him, it's, it's not the guy in the chair who is calling balls and strikes. It's the guy who is, that he comes out when there's a, a fight going on or where there's a major issue and he comes out of nowhere. That's the U.S. tournament referee. There's some rumors that the U.S. tournament referee did not even watch the video of what happened before he had to make his decision to default the Joker, Novak Djokovic. But the fact is the rule is the rule. It doesn't matter whether you tried or didn't try to hit someone, if you intentionally hit a ball that turns out to be dangerous or is ruled to be reckless, you are defaulted. So Djokovic leaves the court, the media goes crazy. It doesn't seem like it was that big a deal, but it didn't matter, a rule's a rule.
Now, the rule was made, the provenance of this rule was to protect people from what I think was a player taking his or her racket and whipping it. Like if you take your racket and whip it and it hits someone, or you take a ball and whip it in the stands, or you whip it at someone out of anger, where you're looking at the person and you whip it into a group of people and it hits a group of people. I'm not sure it was meant for the blind back tap, but the blind back tap is what he did and the rule does not differentiate. And the consequence was he's done. And then he made it worse. He left the United States Tennis Center, Ash Stadium, and he didn't talk to the media. And when the media doesn't like you and you blow off the media, then you become a G-O-M, a grumpy old man. Novak's agent got a hold of him clearly because soon after he released a statement. He did it on his social media, but the statement was sort of a mea culpa and a cover up. This whole situation has left me really sad and empty. That's not a great way to start your apology because we're not interested in how you feel. Right now, you should be apologizing for how you made someone else feel. Second sentence, he got to it. I checked on the lines person and the tournament told me that, thank God, she's feeling okay. Which means he didn't contact her. He contacted someone at the US Open. So unintended, so wrong. As for the disqualification, I need to go back within and work on my disappointment and turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and human being. Blah, blah, blah. Statement rhetoric part six. When people don't like you and you've got a temper and you do something, you get caught. You say, I'm going to be self-introspective. I'm going to really change. I'm going to be the best man I can be. And I promise the next time I get angry on a court, I'm going to grab that ball so hard and I'm going to squeeze it till I'm not angry anymore. And whenever I feel like hitting a ball, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take deep breaths. I'm going to be like Roy Handy. Roy Handy? That's not right, Coca. Deep breaths with Roy Handley? Handley Ramirez? I think it's Roy... Something for Saturday Night Live, Coke, I can't remember. But I'm going to take really deep breaths. And it's all going to be good. He apologized to the US Open tournaments and everyone associated for my behavior. I'm very grateful to my team and family for being my rock support. Here's one other thing that I would say when you're doing statements where you're thanking people for support and you're thanking people for everything that happens. Mention family first and then team because team means like your agent and your coach and, and like your sparring partner. Anyway... Default is the word of the day. Djokovic has gone from the US Open. How many people raise your hand if you care about the US Open right now? Raise it. Yeah, me neither. Okay. I got to uh, talk about something that happened on Thursday. That is five days ago. Coke and I, on nothing personal, we have a system. And the system, as you very well know, is we come up with topics before the show, we discuss the topics. I then have on my iPad a list of the topics and I just talk to you for 45 straight minutes and that's it. There's no editing, I make mistakes and then we fix the mistakes or you'll tell me about the mistakes as a listener or a viewer and I'll fix it if I'm wrong, when I'm wrong, because I am wrong. Also during the course of the show, of the taping, this show gets released, let's say in the early afternoon, we try to tape it late morning, early afternoon each day. 
sometimes there's breaking news that happens. And then on a fly, I'll get the breaking news, I'll report it, and I'll comment on it. And I will give you my view of what happened. And it's real time. The danger of having a microphone and in being willing to open yourself up to doing real-time commentary because you've got loyal listeners and it's a growing show. And I promise you always what you're going to get every day. So I'm going to deliver it for you and I'm going to keep going. The problem is, and it's not your problem, it's my problem. Every once in a while, I'm going to get it wrong. Every once in a while, I'm going to report on a story that I don't have time to properly vet, that Coca and I have not had prime time to properly discuss, but it's important enough and breaking newsy enough that I'm going to mention it. And people will accuse me of being political in my decisions to do that, and they'd be 100% wrong. When I give you breaking news, it has nothing to do with something, my political views. This show is never about my political views. It's about a commentary of what's going on in our world on and off the field. So when I got information during the show that the medical director for Penn State, Dr. Sebastianelli, had discovered that between 30 and 35% of Penn State athletes who had already tested positive for COVID were showing signs of myocarditis, that needed to be reported as college football was beginning. And I talked about my view of college football returning when athletes were at risk, athletes who are not being paid. Word then came out later that day or Friday that Dr. Sebastianelli of Penn State did not have his facts right. That it was not 30 to 35% of Penn State athletes who were showing signs of myocarditis it's actually a much smaller amount and there is no study of just Penn State athletes. There was an actual conversation that Dr. Sebastianelli had been a party to, not even a written document. He was speaking with board members of a high school and there was preliminary data given verbally on a forthcoming study. The research wasn't conducted by Sebastianelli. It wasn't conducted by Penn State. And Dr. Sebastianelli had to clarify. And he clarified that he was wrong to have said anything that would cause anyone to infer that his comments were related to Penn State students. I can't imagine why I would have made that mistake. He said, at this time, there are no students at Penn State who have shown myocarditis who have also tested positive for COVID. COVID has, be so, has become so political where if you wear a mask, you're a Democrat. If you don't, you're a Republican, which is ridiculous. That somehow there are members in the media who want sports not to happen who make their living, I don't make my living from the sports on the field, whether there are sports happening or not, I've got enough content with you between me and Coca, we can give you 45 minutes a day, every day from now until a cow jumps over the moon. In this day and age where on social media, information comes quickly. 
Sometimes you get fooled by non-verified accounts. Sometimes people in verified accounts send something that fools you. Sometimes there's something called confirmation bias, a concept we talk about a lot on this show, where you believe something, you then see something, whether that thing is true or not, you interpret that to help bolster your case of what you already believe to be true before you looked at this other event. So I was accused of confirmation bias looking at this Penn State issue, and that's not what it was. I'm not looking to be proven right or wrong about the safety of student athletes. I'm not looking to be proven right or wrong about my view of what's going on in government. I am here to educate you and to help you make your own decision. I'm not telling you who to vote for on November 3rd. I'm just asking you to vote. I'm not telling you what to believe in terms of COVID-19 and the death rate and the positivity rate and the testing. I'm asking you to look at both sides and make your own decision based on what you experience on what you believe, not on what you're told to believe. And to the extent that I was a part of the problem on Thursday, that is my fault. That is something that happens when you do what we here do for a living here at CBS and with nothing personal. I'm not going to stop doing it. And I'm also not going to shy away. I thought this weekend how easy it would have been to never bring this up again. No one would have said anything. Maybe some tweets, some DMs. But I would have known. And maybe having accountability like that, where you're willing to look at yourself in the mirror when you're wrong, when you make mistakes, when you can further clarify a point to help educate someone else, maybe it's all of our jobs not to let things slide. Thanks for letting me correct that Penn State story from last week. When we come back, we're going to have a great review. We got a lot of baseball to cover. A lot went on. I wanted, we're about two-thirds done with the season. We're three weeks away from the playoffs. It's September 8th right now, the last day of the regular season. I could be wrong, Coke. I think the playoffs start September 29th. I think the playoffs actually start three weeks from today. When we come back, we have a review because I went binging. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 
Welcome back here on Nothing Personal. Thank you very much for downloading, subscribing, telling your friends about Nothing Personal. If you're watching this on YouTube, Wilson and I are appreciative. I got Wilson with me. Please subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. It's a YouTube channel. So every day I'll watch a movie or I'll watch a TV series and I'm gonna give you a review. I was told to watch a series by a friend of mine. I take recommendations from everyone, by the way, because I'm looking for content always. Give me something to watch. I'm gonna watch it. It's a show that I had never heard of produced and written by one of my favorite directors, producers, writers. His name is Judd Apatow. He's the one who did Knocked Up, 40-Year-Old Virgin. It's a show called Love. Three seasons, 34 episodes, roughly 30 minutes an episode, that's 17 hours. It was from 2016 to 2018. It stars Gillian or Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust. You may have seen Paul Rust in Inglorious Bastards. Paul Rust created this with Judd Apatow, wrote it. You may have seen Gillian Jacobs in another show. I had never seen her before. It's got supporting casts, including the brother-in-law from Fleabag, who's been in a bunch of other shows, who every time I don't know his name, Coca writes his name in the show when I'm reviewing something that has him, because this is now probably the third or fourth thing I reviewed that has him. He's the big, tall guy with the beard, and sometimes he's got a big belly, sometimes he loses weight. And Coca, I don't know if Coca's here, but if he is here, he'd give me that name. So this is a story about love, but not an ordinary story. This is both funny, interesting, sad, telling, detailed. It shows falling in love, the ups and downs in a way that does not make it feel like you've seen it before. It's got performances that are so real that often during the episodes, I thought it was almost like a documentary. I was so invested in this, these characters. It wasn't slapstick physical comedy. It wasn't a laugh track. These were real people doing real things, trying to really figure it out. Daniel Stern is a guest in one episode in season two. If you don't know that name, the guy from City Slickers, not Billy Crystal and not his friend who passed away, who was in When Harry Met Sally, the tall guy from Home Alone. You may know him from there, the bad guy. Daniel Stern plays Marty Dobbs, the father of Jillian Jacobs, whose character is named Maddie Dobbs. In 30 minutes of TV, that will help you understand why relationships with parents can be so difficult can help you understand why relationships with your kids can be so difficult. It's a, uh, it was a sad episode that was emotional sometime in season two. And then I went straight through to the end of season three. If you have a chance to watch love, get all 34 episodes in. It's just 17 hours. It's a weekend. Thank you, Judd Apatow, and thank you, Paul Rust, for taking the time to write and create a show that was real. Love on Netflix. Ooh, I almost got emotional there, Coca. Okay, let's talk some baseball. 
So, uh, yes, his name is Brett Gelman. Coca, you're a little late. I love when Coca does this. I'm on to the next topic. Coca gets in my ear with a name and wants me to go back to it and gets upset when he does work that I don't acknowledge on the show because I had already moved on it. And he's got like 29 different windows open. He's producing the show. He's listening to the show. He's thinking and looking for other news that's breaking. I get that he's busy, but part of the show is that I forget stuff and I need him. You're my rock, Matt. All right, let's get some baseball. Any Yankee fans out there? We are New York. We are the New York Knicks. We're going to play some ball because we're the New York Knicks. Oh, talk about the Yankees. We're going to be a part of it. New York, New York. I want to wake up. Yankee fans want to wake up in a city that never sleeps. Yankees are sleeping. They're collapsing. They're imploding. They stink. 10-run inning they gave up to the Blue Jays in Buffalo last night. They're now in third place. Are you aware the New York Yankees are three games out of not making the expanded playoffs? They're the number eight seed now, so they'd have to play the Tampa Rays, who are the number one seed in the two out of three series. Would you take Cole, Tanaka, and somebody... I wouldn't. The Mariners are the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, the Seattle Mariners, the rebuilding Mariners. Hottest team, 60 games. A-C-H. Do you know what an A-C-H payment is when you have to wire money and they say, you may wire or A-C-H. You know what that stands for? Anything can happen. The Tigers, the Orioles, 100 lost teams, Mariners, they all stink. Well, guess what? Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking. Astros, just kidding. Mariners, Tigers, Orioles, and Yankees. Only one of those teams will make the playoffs. One of those four. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Brian Cashman went to Buffalo because... That's what you do when you're the president of baseball operations and you're not with your team because of COVID or your team's on a loose streak. We did this so many times with the Marlins. The team would lose like four in a row. Boom, you go to the next game. You want to show that you are there when times are tough, not just when times are good. You want to show your face in the middle of a losing streak. I told you that I would most often go into the clubhouse after a loss than a win. Anyone can go into the clubhouse after a win. I like going after a loss, patting a few tushies, saying, see you tomorrow. Back in the beginning of my career, I would go in after a win or a loss and I'd be all happy and giddy when we win or after a loss, I'd be all down and mopey and saying, man, we got to do better. And I'd react immediately. Nah, that's not how to do it. The Yankees needed Brian Cashman to show his face because they're five and 14 in their last 19 games, five and 14. That's how you don't make the playoffs and they only have three weeks left. Can you imagine for one second how upset the national networks will be and Major League Baseball will be if the New York Yankees can't make the playoffs, even an expanded playoff season? Oh, my God. <laughs> Makes me smile. What else happened in baseball? Max Freed out. 10-day IL. He may only miss a start, maybe two. He was favored along with Hugh Darvish and Jacob DeGrom to win the Cy Young. He's leading the Atlanta Braves rotation. They're only two and a half games above Philly. Philly with their new bullpen. 
Yeah, it hasn't been great, but they're winning games. Eric Cosmer of the Padres. When, here, here's the thing. When you run a baseball team, I've said this four times. I'm going to say it again. I don't like when people bunt and they don't know how they bunt because I worry that if they wrap their fingers around the bat and the ball hits their finger, they're going to break their finger. The San Diego Padres are trying to make the playoffs after a historic drought. Not that historic, but since 06, I think. Eric Hosmer, that highly paid guy who they signed, free agent from the Royals after winning the World Series with the Royals in 15 or 16. And then he signed with the Padres, that huge deal that's been an absolute disaster. They were trying to move him, trying to move Will Myers, but then they signed Machado and doubled down and said, let's keep everyone. And we've got Tatis. And now we're going to trade for Mike Clevenger and just see what happens. Well, Eric Cosmer, broken finger from bunting. The ball hit his finger. This is when you miss at least two weeks. They're calling it two to six weeks, take the over. But by the way, that's a big loss. Now they can just slot Mitch Moreland in, that guy they acquired at the deadline from the Red Sox, and instead of DH and he can play first base, blah, blah, blah. There's plenty they can do. But it's so tenuous when you run a sports team because injuries happen and they stink. Other note from the weekend was the complaining. I love when players complain. It's my favorite thing in the world. Javier Baez of the Cubs. Coca, do you have the sound on your soundboard of this? Do you have like the baby cry sound that you could just press like a button and then all of a sudden you hear it? Okay, so I'm going to do it. Ready? Javier Baez, he's hitting below the Mendoza line. Do you know what the Mendoza line is? That's when you're hitting 200. It's very strange. You have 10 at-bats. You get two hits, you stink. You get three hits, you're in the Hall of Fame. It's one extra hit. But when you hit below 200, that's called the Mendoza line after a player, I think his name was Mario Mendoza, and he was famous for not having a good bat. He always had low batting averages. Wouldn't that stink? Like, I always felt badly when I, for Tommy John. Do you know Tommy John is an actual pitcher who pitched for the Yankees among like 10 other teams and had surgery to replace his ulnar collateral ligament? And it was just called surgery to replace your ulnar collateral ligament. And then he had it. And then they called it the Tommy John surgery. Tommy John's a guy, an actual pitcher. Like when that's your second line of your obituary, my guess is that'll be his first. He's still alive, thank God. But I think that'll be his first line. So have your buys. And then, by the way, Mendoza, I don't know if he's alive or dead. But when he dies, I believe that Mendoza, first paragraph of the obituary has to be the Mendoza line. I think Javier Baez hitting below 200 decided that it was time to do what all players do when they are not playing well. Ready? Press the button, Coca. Let's play the blame game. Let's talk about other things. Take the pressure off us, Gus, because I stink. Rink. Javier Baez said, without in-game video, it's very hard for me to make adjustments. And the video room is closed because of the Houston Astros. We didn't cheat, yet we are the babies being thrown out with the bathwater. I'm not allowed to see in-game video to make my adjustments. Therefore, I'm only getting two hits out of 10, not three. Javi, I know what's going on. I see you. Coca, check this. When is Javier Baez gonna be a free agent? Just curious. Is he close to being a free agent? Hmm. Well, anyway, 
he's striking out at an alarming pace, like 55 times and 150 plus at bats. That's not good. He's continuing to beg for in-game video. He will be a free agent, not next year, but the year after. So he's got one year next year to make it right. Javi Baez, stop whining like a baby before I smack your tushy. Boom. What else happened in baseball? Ooh, this was a good one. Okay, but this is a segment actually, Coca. Let's do this. You know what I want. You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. I want to talk to Samson. <laughs> I can't even take that laugh very well. <laughs> I sound like Glenda. I sound like Idina Menzel. Anyone catch that reference? It's sort of funny, actually. So you want to talk to Samson? Follow me on Twitter, David P. Samson. If you're so inclined, get into my public DMs. Be nice or not be nice. It's totally your choice. It's free country, freedom of expression. By the way, I'm on Cameo now. What do you think of that, Coca? If you want like a greeting or me to wish you a happy birthday or happy anniversary or just to talk to you, someone wanted a Cameo this weekend of a story about the St. Louis Cardinals. Someone wanted me to do a fantasy draft, like pick the order for their fantasy team or fantasy league. Someone wanted like anniversary. I'll do anything. I have fun with it. Check it out. It's fun. But the So You Want to Talk to Samson is part of a movie called Half-Baked. Get in there, ask a question when it's a funny question or an interesting question or a topical question or a trending question or just one that may catch my fancy just a wee little bit. It may make the show. Here's one. Can you explain what happened to Mike Rizzo this weekend? Were you ever thrown out of a game when you were president? Any good umpire stories? Those are good questions. Who saw it this weekend? Cowboy Joe West. Yeah, Joe West, the umpire, he's terrible. Not as bad as Angel Hernandez. He's not a good umpire. He's a total egomaniac. Baseball's been trying to get rid of him for as long as I can remember. He's the guy who never goes away. They prayed to God he would opt out of this year because of COVID. He said, forget it. Opt out. I got a record to keep, to make. He wants to umpire the most games in history. He's been around forever. Go to like forever and then go two weeks after that. That's how long Jersey Joe West has been around or Cowboy Joe West. I don't think it's Jersey Joe. Anyway, this weekend he was doing a game between the Nationals and the, it could be the Braves, but I could be wrong, but that's a good guess because they're in the same division. All of a sudden, Joe West looks into the crowd by the way, all there are cutouts in the crowd. Looks into the crowd and ejects somebody. Everyone said, what? who are you ejecting? What's going on? And then the camera goes to Mike Rizzo, the newly extended president of baseball operations for the Washington Nationals, the defending champion Washington Nationals, who are having an absolute terrible year. They were my pick. Believe me, I'd like to forget about this. Talking about accountability from getting the show, I'd like you never to remember the fact that I said the Nationals in the World Series. So I'm going to talk about it really quickly and then never mention it again. Of course I will when they don't. Mike Rizzo was in the GM suite, which is way above the field. Apparently Rizzo 
was heckling Joe West. Now, we've all been upset at umpires. We've all yelled at umpires from the suite. Now, there was a time when people sitting next to the dugout team representatives have yelled at umpires and the umpires hear it. That's not good. When you're up in the suite, you can yell as loud as you want because even in Marlins Park with 5,000 people there, they're not going to hear you. So I'm not sure why we'd ever yell, but we would. What Mike Rizzo must have forgotten is that without fans, that noise that we hear when we're watching games, just a quick FYI, that noise is not in the ballpark. That is being pumped into your TV feed. So the ballparks are very, very quiet. So anytime anybody says anything, the umpires can hear it. And when the umpires hear it, they can eject you. So Mike Rizzo was on Joe West's case. Joe West ejects him. The announcers thought that it could have been because Mike Rizzo wasn't wearing a mask. And the rule is that if you're in the ballpark, you got to wear a mask. And I said to myself, there is no way that Joe West, even Joe West was ejecting Mike Rizzo for not wearing a mask. A, I don't think Joe West could see Mike Rizzo not wearing a mask. And that's not a typical umpire has no eyes comment. That's just sort of life. Turns out that Mike Rizzo was telling Joe West that he was being brutal and other things like that. And Joe West had had enough. Then Joe West came out with a statement that said, I wouldn't take that from a player. I wouldn't take that from a manager. If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him too, but I'd still vote for him. That is Joe West in a nutshell mic drop. I'm not upset that he votes for Donald Trump. I want to know the relevance of putting that into a statement about ejecting a president of baseball operations for telling you that you suck at being an umpire. What is the relevance of that? MLB then had a counter with their own statement saying we have already been in communication with the nationals regarding what transpired and we will speak with the umpiring crew today. We will expect Joe West crew to provide a full account of their perspective and we will follow up with them accordingly. I know MLB very well. That is an MF to JW so definitively. MF, you know what that stands for? JW's Joe West. That's an MF to JW. That statement. I would have written a statement like that. It's so perfect. You think they're going to suspend Mike Rizzo? NAC, baby. Not a chance. I was never thrown out of a game. I had thoughts when there were brawls that I was at. Um, the one with Gabby Sanchez clotheslining where Miguel Olivo, uh, when he... When, he, uh, when Miguel Olivo ran toward the third baseman during a game, when Gabby Sanchez clotheslined a guy, when our guys were getting hit, I've had many times where I thought about, but remember, I'm 5'5", five, five, a buck and 29. I'm not really going to go out there or do anything, but I just have had that view. It's tempting. I've had views to talk to umpires during the game. I have spoken to umpires during games, but never about calls they've made, just about things going on regarding weather, regarding things going on with the ballpark or anything. I have spoken to umpires after a game, before a game, but never enough to get ejected. I would never bring that embarrassment upon myself. 
I don't need the public spectacle of that. If an umpire makes a mistake and it's a human error, it happens. But if it's it's a crappy umpire, I'm going to take my case to Major League Baseball and just try to get him fired. There was one time, and I don't know that I've told you this story, but it's sort of a funny story to me. Um, Jerry Lane, the umpire, I think I've told this on Nothing Personal before. Maybe it was in a mailbag end of month bonus pod. Jerry Lane had made a terrible call and our in-game entertainment person played the song Penny Lane by the Beatles and Jerry Lane got so upset he asked me to fire. He called me into the umpire's room after the game because he knew I'm the president of the team and he knew me. He asked me to fire the in-game entertainment guy and whoever was responsible for showing him up in his whole career, and he's had a long-standing career, he's a really nice guy, in his whole career he had never been shown up in that way. And I laughed. And I said, really, Jerry, you're going to be that sensitive to Penny Lane? I bet you our in-game entertainment guy born in the 90s had never heard of Penny Lane. Either way, I'm not going to get ejected under any scenario. Umpires are tough, right? I mean, there's a bunch of umpire stories dealing with some of their issues pre and post game, dealing with the umpire clubhouse. We would have our visiting clubby take care of the umpire's room as well. We've had some requests where they didn't like the food, they didn't like whatever. They're umpires. Thank you for that question. So you want to talk to Samson. Okay, it's gloat time on Nothing Personal right now. Okay, gloat time is uh, the Nothing Personal pick of the day. We are 15 and nine. We told you, we gave you a bonus for last, whatever, what is it, Thursday night? We said the Raptors would beat the Celtics. They were minus one over the Celtics when they were down two nothing in that series. And... The Raptors won by one. I don't know what the follow-up line was, but I'm going to take a push. The other game is we told you the Clippers would crush the Nuggets in game one because the Nuggets would be hung over from their game seven series win over the Jazz. That was a slam dunk pick. Please tell me you did that. We won that. We're 15 and nine. I'm going to stay in the NBA as I told you I would until we lose. Big game today. The Milwaukee Bucks are down three games to one to the Miami Heat. Miami Heat are a better team. Giannis sprained his ankle out of game four in the second quarter, questionable for game five, which is tonight, September 8th. Right now, the Bucks are underdogs to the Heat. I'm taking the Bucks. I'd say that Giannis does not play today. And they try with Middleton and Bledsoe and Lopez to squeeze one more win. And then Giannis tries to come back for a game six and seven. The Bucks, who have not won a championship since 1971 with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This was their best opportunity with Giannis becoming a free agent, I think, after next season. They were so good at home. This bubble has crushed them. They just haven't looked good. I think the Heat really do have the better team here. But today, to get three points, I'm taking the points. This is not me hating on the Heat because I'm actually rooting. I don't know who I'm I can't lose. I love the Heat, and I want the Bucks to win a championship again for my friends in Milwaukee. But I'm going to go with the Bucks. Okay. Let's finish up on uh, messy. We got to talk messy, Coke. It'll be quick. See what happened over the weekend? 
Messi announced that he was staying in Barcelona for another season. Remember the story that we told about Messi, that there was a posting fee or a transfer fee of 700 million euro, about 800 plus million dollars. And that he decided he didn't want to play for Barcelona. And there was a thought that he'd go to Manchester City, but Manchester City was never going to pay that transfer fee. And he was saying that he can get out of his Barcelona deal without any transfer fee because he's allowed every June to get out of his contract. But it's not June, but he thought that the contract would toll because of the shutdown because of COVID. And then he sent his father, his agent to Barcelona. The media followed his father around like he was a class A celebrity where he ate following up on everything he did before his agent, his father, Messi's father, went to visit the president of Barcelona. And wouldn't you know it, Lionel Messi announced he was staying in Barcelona. Of course he was. Man City's not going to pay $700 million to get him and then pay him what he wants. You stay for another year, you plug your nose, you're miserable, and then you get to opt out of your deal next June and you go to Man City for no transfer fee at all. Why wouldn't Barcelona try to cut a deal with Manchester City for half that amount? Because Manchester City's going to wait another year and pay zero. Or Messi's going to say he's not interested in leaving. He's going to take his annual pay because he doesn't get that fee. Play the year and then be on his way. This was always going to happen. So why is it that Messi needs to call out management? What's the purpose of that? He said, I wasn't happy and I wanted to leave. I have not been allowed this in any way and I will stay at the club as not to get into a legal dispute. The management of the club is a disaster. Is that really a good way to go into spring training with your team? If I'm the president of that club, I'm calling him. I don't care if he's Lionel Messi. I'm not scared of you. Yeah, I've got, I, we sell a lot of your jerseys. Yes, you're a god in Camp Nou where we make a lot of money with doing tours of the stadium in Barcelona. But I'm not going to take that from anybody. Superstar or not, greatest player in the world or not, most popular player in the world or not. You can't call me out publicly. Who do you think you are? I'm calling you in, and if I have the rules behind me, I'm suspending you without pay. I'll play a match without you. I want to show that we can win without you or at least compete. Yeah, we probably can't. As a president of an organization, even Barcelona, you cannot let a player, even Messi, get the best of you publicly. Because once every player sees that happens with your superstar, you've lost your team. You've lost your clubhouse. You've lost your locker. You've lost your sponsors. You've lost your fans. Because people will assume that you don't have the power necessary to build a winner around the superstars that you have. And that's what people want. They want the winner. And Barcelona hasn't won. Has their management been a disaster? Sure. Let's say it has. That does not give any excuse. You know what will be really funny? Is if the owners of Barcelona are so star-driven and so nervous about upsetting Messi that they choose to fire the president and side with Messi. And then Messi leaves anyway. How's that for a wait? I'll give you a wait to see. They can fire the president. They can fire everyone they want. They can get rid of the owner. They can sell the team. Messi's last year in Barcelona's this year. Let's do that, Coca. Messi will not be on Barcelona after this year. Hard stop. You know why. From Messi's standpoint, 
It's definitely business. It's nothing personal.